it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, you are watching Stewie's Wrestling Podcast with your main man, Mr. Stevie Ray. And if I come through the show, everybody needs to come through the show. Now, can you dig it? You're listening to Stew's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. The 80th episode of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. I can't quite believe it. 80 episodes in. And have I got a treat for you? We had a break last week with it being WrestleMania week. I was doing some other projects with Powered 4, who I'm in association with. They did a load of WrestleMania specials. But we are back for episode 80 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. And it's none other than ECW original Chili Willy. Chili trained in North Carolina many, many years ago. He was part of Omega with the Hardy Boys once upon a time. He then went on to become ring crew at ECW, which then led to Paul Heyman seeing that this guy could be a wrestler on the ECW card. He became an ECW original in the process. We hear about Chili's time in OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling, which at the time was a WWE developmental territory. We do come away from wrestling too. Chili served in the military in Iraq, and I really wanted to ask about his time and his experience doing that. And we thank all our servicemen and women in the UK and in the US of A that went over to fight the war. We also talk about Chili's podcast with Andrew Campbell, Pro Wrestling Unraveled, ANC Podcast. All this and more today with ECW Original for episode 80 of Stew's Wrestling Podcast. Enjoy. My guest today, all the way from the Philippines, he did live in North Carolina, he's from North Carolina originally, we have got an ECW original, it is Mr. Chili Willie, the host of the Pro Wrestling ANC podcast Unraveled, and what an absolute 
honour and privilege to get you on, man. I've been doing some background stuff on you outside of wrestling. You've you've had the you've had quite the life, man. Uh, even outside yeah, of wrestling, thank you. <laughs> you've you've done some stuff. You've done some stuff, man. And it was uh, cool just doing a little bit more research outside of wrestling. Absolutely. How are you, mate? Nice. Good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Stu, brother. It's really it's really an honour to be here, man. And uh, yeah, man. I'm here in the Philippines, so if the if the if the, if the um the audience, if you guys hear uh, some some motorcycles going by and you know some dogs barking, you know it's just me at home in the Philippines, brother. That's how we roll here. <laughs> it's all it's all natural. It's all natural, man. That's exactly. That's <laughs> I think I think to start off, it's not going to be like chronological. Me, did you when you did this? When you did that? I can. I, can I ask you? Can I ask you first about your ECW run? Because I remember, even in the UK, we were getting uh, we were getting ECW on Bravo over here. So we were getting uh, the okay. TNN show. Um, how how was mm-hmm. your run in ECW? I know you you faced everybody. You faced all the all the top guys. I know ECW was winding down at that time. But how how was it? Yes. For you? How was it for you? Because there was still some great talent in that roster with with yourself and Paul Heyman. Oh man. Yes, it was. You know, I, I got there in 2000, uh, late 2000. Um, uh, I started wrestling in, 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 in 1997. So I got there in 2000, uh, invited up by C.W. Anderson, who taught me, and Steve Carino, and um, got on the ring crew. Um, I started, you know, that's how I got my spot in ECW, right? working on the ring crew and wrestling. So... Um, the, the talent there was great, man. You had guys like RVD still there, Jerry Lynn, mm. super crazy to Jerry, um, Jazz, Francine. Oh, man, you had some of everybody the, the Baldies, Balls Mahoney, New Jack, Sandman. You had some of everybody there, man. Still, you know, I didn't know anything about ECW, um, but um, I learned quickly, I learned really, really quickly, and uh, because. When, where I lived at North Carolina, we only had uh, WCW and WW, WWE mm-hmm. at the time. So I didn't know anything about ECW. And so I was, it was fairly new. And the, uh, the Dudleys, they, they had just left. They were just leaving. Taz just left. Um, Mike Awesome, I think he was already, you know, doing the, mm-hmm. the thing with um, WCW and, and, and all that stuff. So... Uh, but they, they came in for cameo appearances. So, um, it was just, it was just, it was great, man. It was great to be there and learn from, from everybody that was there. Kid Cash and, you know, beautiful Billy Wilds, Johnny Sweeter, you know, uh, man, Simon Diamond, you, you name it, you know, um, those, those people were there. And so, um, I, I learned a lot from those guys. Um, you know, um, the, the FBI, Tony Mamaluke and, uh, uh, Guido, Big Sal, and so yeah, uh, it was great. I was I was green as a greenhorn, man, and and everyone just took care of each other, man. There was no no this no that, you know. We would have some, we would have a lot of ribs, you know. A lot of guys would rib each other and stuff like that in the locker room, you know. But uh, for the most part, when we went out there, we did our jobs, man. It was it was great. I want to ask. Obviously, we know we know about the famed ECW audience, and you know you were talking of you know a couple of thousand fans in with ECW, weren't you, for a show, Do, doing right. uh, doing the uh, the Hammerstein Ballroom, places that are you know an iconic venue in wrestling. Absolutely. How was it yes. for you? How was the crowd for you? As uh, from a worker standpoint, from a wrestler standpoint, I always look at it from a fan standpoint. Obviously, 
How is it performing in front of them? Because, you know, they were rabid, the ECW fan base. Oh, yeah. Rabid. So once, like I said, once I got, yeah, once you, once I got in there, um, ECW crowd was, was hard, man. I, I never experienced anything like it. Um, of course, that was my biggest claim to fame also. You know, I've never been in WWE or WCW. But from what I saw on television versus what I, what I witnessed in ECW, it was like a cult, man. It was like. It was like a bunch of guys from about, I would say, 18 to 35, that range, man. And it was like they were hardcore fans. And they will let you know uh, if, you met, if you messed up something, uh, if you did something good or whatever, they give you the hand clap. Where when you will see WCW or WWE, uh, you know, it was just like a, they cheered you because of your name or your fame or whatever. But if you missed, if you missed a spot, in WCW or WCW, I mean, WWE, you know, it, you didn't get a chance. You know, people, it was just, I don't know if they edited it or, or what, but but if you missed a spot in ECW, them, all of, them, them, them motherfuckers let you know, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up, you fucked up, you fucked up. So that, that made every guy, even, even from the top, from RVD all the way down to me, which was, which was you know, a guy on the ring crew, uh, made us work harder, you know, even guys like uh, the referee, you know, Mike Keener and H.C. Loken, you know, if you messed up, they will let you know, you know, and that was the thing. You didn't want, you didn't want to go out there and mess up because you can't edit that. You can't edit, I, you fucked up, you fucked up, you know, and, and if you're a new guy coming in and you really messed up, they're going to be like, who the F are you? Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? So it's like, you know, you you just I mean it was like a like I said, it was like a cult. It was like um it was it was like nothing I had never experienced before in my life. And now when you see or hear chance, you gotta get it you you gotta give ECW the props because I think it came from them. I think it came from their fan standpoint. We all we all modeled ourselves on on the chance, even over here. Oh, yeah. We're raucous. We're raucous as a fan base over here. I tell you what, mm. and I've 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 been to some uh, WrestleManias over here. I've done seven WrestleManias, and when the UK wow. t- when the UK turn up, Chile, I tell you now, the Americans didn't like it. The Americans yeah. didn't like it. They, yeah. they, we, there's about you know five, ten, fifteen thousand UK people going over, but yeah, we definitely took from the ECW crowd. Absolutely, I think. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rick. I'm sorry, to cut it. But it's like it's like your football league uh, when you guys do soccer. Yeah, like when you when you, you know you guys have a chant. You guys have chants. You have oh, something like that. You know, and then now our football we don't have that. You know, we have you know something else. But when you could when you talk about wrestling, a, you know, smaller crowd. You know, ten uh, ten thousand or less, um, and it's it's packed in. And you're you're you and someone else is in the ring, just you two guys at one time. You got to make sure your stuff is on point because man, they will let you have it, you know. And it's just luckily I didn't get it. I didn't get no chance, no chant. Um, uh, so I was pretty lucky. Even my first day, even my first night, I didn't get a chant. You know, it was just uh, I think a little bit. You know, like when I first walked to the ring and got in, they were like, "Who the f are you?" You know, I wrestled uh, Julio De Niro, but it wasn't um, it wasn't too bad. You know what I mean? So it was all good. 
Did you did you have nerves going out for the for the matches? Oh, or, yeah. or did, oh I, I thought you might have said no. I think you like your Brett would have embraced the nerves as a talent. Miss. Stu, I'm telling you, man, every time I went out, uh, it was like we would call a match and back. And you call a match. And I would be nervous right when the ECW intro music hit. You know, because you know you're going on, especially if we're if we're going on television. You know, the music hit, and then you know you're the first guy up, or whatever. Um, even if it's a, even if it's a, a dark match or whatever, uh, call. But as soon as your opponents go out, as soon as he go out, then you know you're next. You know you like two, like a minute coming, and me sitting and standing away near that gorilla position, man. In that in that in that area, you hear your music and it's like, okay, well, I gotta go now. So whatever's going on, it just, you just leave it behind. But you call matches like I would call them at, you know, they would call a match and we talk about it. And by the time I get out there, man, I forgot everything. I'm so nervous. I forget <laughs> everything. That's going on. You know, <laughs> but the only thing I don't forget is when I'm going out and I'm dancing and I'm, you know, I'm trying to get the crowd hyped, you know me. Y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Oh, <laughs> here. But and I actually lost my mind. My mind is like fuck. I'm like, I lost everything. <laughs> I'm like, when I when I get on the when I get on the, on the ring apron, I wipe my feet off, I get inside the ring, I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> it's like, oh my god, you know, so yeah, I, I, every every single match, man, I got goosebumps. You know, every single match. There wasn't a match. Even now, um, after I, even after I wrestled the ECW manager in uh in the in on back on the indies, man, I, I was still getting nervous. You know, I I would have more confidence now. But man, when I was the ECW boy, I was like, whew. Because like I said, you don't want to mess up. You don't. You did not want to mess up. You know what I mean? So, who who was some of the- <laughs> Who were some of the guys, Chili? I know you could make a make a very long list, but obviously covering everyone it'd take a long time. But you're some of the guys mm. that you some of the guys that you learned from in ECW and uh, mm. just some of the guys that really helped you as well. Who that that I mean like yeah, that's a private the whole roster. You know, you you I would have to even the even the females jazz, like I said, mm. um included, she was a good wrestler. Um, and, and she's still doing her thing down there. Um, her husband, Rodney Mack, um, guys that I wrestled, you know, the, my first, um, like I said, my first match was Julio. Um, he, he, he carried my hand. Um, uh, Guido was in Kansas city. I remember, man, he, he would carry me the baldies. Um, and, and the thing is before we, we would have a show, we would, we would set up the ring, the ring crew. That, this was our thing. We set the ring up. And because we get to the building first, of course, set up the ring, and we would we go and, and roll around inside the ring, you know. And so that's where you learn a lot. You, you only had maybe an hour before the show or something like that, and you get in there, you 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 um you just work. And when you get in there and work, all the stars would come through. You know, the Rob Van Dams, the, the, the Steve Carinos, and they would come through and they would talk about their match, but they're sitting by the ringside. And if you messed up something or you, or you're trying to do something, they'll say, Hey, what was that? What was that? Do that again. 
you know, make this better, make this better, you know, do this better. You know what I mean? Even, even uh, Sandman, you know, do this better. Hey, Chili, do this better. You know, uh, New Jack, hey, hey, Chili, do this better, do this better. And so you would, I, I would get um, instructions from those guys and, and get, get, you know, get help. And every, like I said, everyone helped. I mean, everyone, everyone pitched it. There was no one, Lance Storm, there was no, there was no one there that was a, like a dick or, or ass that said, hey, no, no, you know. Everyone, everyone pitched in Raven. You know, guys, these guys are smart. You know, they they they've been in the business long time, and you know, so they know what the audience is looking for. And so while we were practicing, they said, "No, you need to do it this way." You know, and that's that's how I learned a lot. That's incredible. What what a list of guys there, and as you say. No, no ego. We hear about egos in the business, people backstage, yeah. but that that is the good thing. That's the nice thing to hear about ECW. Oh yeah, because those mm-hmm. guys, those guys were known on a world world level. I know ECW. You know, some areas you, you weren't getting it in the states. We we weren't getting mm-hmm. it till later on. I, I'd obviously seen <laughs> seen the ECW talent come through on Raw in '97 when Vince had right. a deal with them. But uh, that's mm-hmm. really nice to hear. That you know everyone was helping one another. That's that's a good good. Oh uh, yeah, it's lovely to hear yeah. that, Chili. Exactly, because we, we you know there wasn't a lot of schools back you know two thousand, you know, and, and so we like I said we didn't have time, and they definitely would help out the younger talent, which was me, you know, guys like me and Marquez and and and, and AC Loke and you know and things like that, and they was just. They would just come in. They they fly in once they fly in before the show, and they just hang around the hang around the uh, inside the arena around the ring, and they look and they just say, "Hey, you know, do that this way. That's that's cool. You know, let me see. Let me see you guys do that. And if you did something wrong, I mean, nah, man, don't do that. You know. So, but they, you know, it was never a thing where you you felt. Um, it was like there was all those guys was like a, my bigger brother. And, uh, and sister, you know what I mean. Um, and so that's how and that's how we treated each other. I'd be remiss not to talk about the genius that is Paul Heyman. How was Paul? Uh, how was it working for Paul? We hear we. I hear split opinion on the guy to to this day from people. I love him. I love him to death. Uh, same with Jim Cornette. Same with Jim Cornette. I love Jim Cornette. I know right. his opinion. But yeah, your dealings with Paul, how Paul would ramp you up, you guys up to like literally run through a brick wall. Mm, I heard about it. Right. You know, you could be yeah. ang- you could be angry with that man, but he could ramp you up and you'd do anything for him. This is what I've been told from other guys. Oh yeah, definitely, man. That's that, that's Paul Heyman. You know, every guy, every woman that worked for Paul in ECW, they may talk about him now in, in their different ways, but at that time, um, would die for Paul Heyman, you know, would, would literally stand there and take a bullet for Paul Heyman. That's how, that's how much we, we, we love Paul Heyman at that time. And if, and if someone said, no, I would, I would never die for Paul Heyman, they're lying now because of whatever. But back then, when we were running and everything going well, man, people would die for Paul Heyman, man. You work for ECW, you know, and I – I love I love working for Paul Heyman. You know, I don't have I didn't have any issue with Paul Heyman because I'm I'm low on the low totem pole. You know, I'm a, I'm a Marine crew guy, and um, he was pushing me. He was pushing he was pushing Chili Willie a little bit because I had a couple of matches with with Rhino. Um, and Rhino at the time was TV champion. I was uh, 
he put me with guys like like New Jack and and Sandman and Balls, you know. Mm-hmm. And here I am, a Marine Crew guy, you know. And he didn't have to he didn't have to put me with those guys. People always say, did you tag with those guys? No, I, I only tag with Balls, but you know, um, with, with New Jack and Sandman, it was more like they did a. Uh, they would do. They would come in and just save the day for me or whatever. If I had an issue or whatever in wrestling, you know, in the in the, in the storytelling, and so it wasn't like we tagged in and out, hot tag, and none of that, you know. Um, but Paul Heyman, man, he, I can't. He he got me a job when I came out of the military, straight into WWE. Mm-hmm. He was the one who, you know, I I know he was the one who um who put that idea into Vince's head or whatever. So. For me, man, Paul Heyman will always be a good guy in my in my in my opinion. You know what I mean? So we had issues. People had issues because of the pay. Um, you know, a lot of guys weren't getting paid. But like I said, I was I was on a different pay scale, so <laughs> I was good with him. You know. But it's mad. It's mad to think he owed money to the talent, but the talent still showed up for the shows. Uh, that's what I said. Yeah, that's anyway, what I mean. Anyway, it was like it's crazy, isn't it? You don't get paid to do. <laughs> you're not getting paid to do something, but the master, the master of the mind that he is, just like and they exactly. They never, they never like didn't know show, did they? The guys, right? No, yeah. no. They, they, you know, uh, and Tommy, and Tommy was like, you know, also that bridge between the guys and and Paul Heyman. Tommy really was the the key factor, also. Um, because um, I was only getting paid one hundred and forty dollars a night, seventy five for putting up the ring, and seventy five to travel there to wrestle. Other people were getting, you know, they're on contract, of course. And so Tommy, like I said, Tommy was the bridge. When Paul would tell you this and tell you that, and he wasn't there, he was up in WWE. Tommy would take all the heat, and so the guys came in. I would I would say more so because of Tommy, but also because of what Paul put together as ECW. But Tommy, like I said, if, if I'm not mistaken, Tommy was the one who made all that happen, pretty much. So you got to put you got to give Tommy a lot of credit, a lot. Absolutely, and and uh, you know, look look at the length of his career. You know what I mean, and, mm. and what he he's, yeah. he's done. He's worked everywhere. Uh, I don't mean he he's another guy. I'd say doesn't get enough credit for what exactly. what, he, what he's done for the business. You you'll know better than me. Right. You've been in amongst it, but fan perspective of Tommy, uh, and just it's it's the length of it's the length of service. Jim. Yes, it's incredible. It's incredible. You can't yeah. you can't dispute it. No, cannot. You know, Tommy. Like I said, Tommy was the one man. He would he was somehow. It, it, you know, guys, we were getting paid, man, through merchandise, you know, yeah. merchandise sell, you know, he, he was scraping, he was scraping, you know, trying to, trying to piece this thing together, you know, and, and, and so it, it, it worked up until the last day. And, uh, you know, now it, it is what it is. But at that time, like you said, man, we, we were having big disputes, but people were still coming back. People still coming to the shows, you know, people still coming in. We were rooting. The morale was low, and, and people were, were really griping. You know, a lot of superstars were like, oh, oh. but you didn't know it as a fan. You wouldn't know that something was going on because we put that shit behind us, and we go out do a show. But, man, before this show, 
And after the show, whoo, you hear all the griping. <laughs> you know, you know, we ain't get paid here. You know, it's like that big. It's like your family. If you got brothers and sisters, if you got brothers and sisters, and you got a fan mom and dad in your house. You know, things will go well or whatever, and that's how that's how it is. It's still a family. Who you know? who was an underrated talent? I know everyone was, you know, on on the platform in your in Chile's mind in ECW. Who who do you think could have been bigger than they were? If if you can if you can think of somebody. Oh, man. Well, in terms of like um, ECW or after ECW. Yeah, yeah, I think you said cause, yeah in e- in terms of ECW, yeah. In terms of ECW, who was a major star there? Who could have been a major? Um, of course, I'm gonna say CW Anderson. He, you know, he he had his run. Um, he he could have they could have gave him more. I think a little bit, you know. Um, guys like him, Simon Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to say because everyone had their own yeah story or kind of like had their own storyline and story and uh, so and in your and in television, ECW. You know, wrestling. You only have a certain amount of uh, television time. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them, really. But I, for me, well, from what I saw, uh, a lot of guys, they had their run. Um, but who could have probably made more out of it? Yeah, I would, yeah. Uh, that's kind of hard to say. I, I, I would just probably say someone like, CW, yeah. Simon Diamond, um, uh, Simon Diamond. Then you had guys like uh, Kid Cash, Kid yeah. Cash. Um, you know, um, yeah, people like that. It, it's just, but then, like I said, they had their own time. Chetty, well, Chris Chetty and Danny Dory, they were already they were already big favorites, man. And and Nova, they, them guys were already over like that, so. It's kind of hard to say, you know. Um, it's quite a broad. Of, it's quite a broad, yeah. broad question, actually. Because, because everyone, everyone was a superstar in their own. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm not like I'm not taking away from them. They were known on a, on a national, international level. Yeah, I just yeah. think just someone, someone like you know, it was underutilized. Maybe. Who do you think? Yeah, as a fan, who would you who would on, you think in, in ECW oh, at the time? I know Guido. I know Guido is well known, but I think because of the mm-hmm. size of the guy, because he's you know smaller, uh-huh. smaller in stature, but his his charis- okay. his charisma, one hundred percent Guido could could have been even bigger. Oh, I, know, um, I know we got yes. I know we got to WWE. He, he did fantastic. He went on to referee for WWE as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, great career. I think he could have been higher up. Uh, for a small guy, like I, right. I, for a smaller guy, not to do him a disservice, I, I loved, mm-hmm. I loved him, I loved him. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. you know, along with yeah, other, uh, along with other guys too. Yeah, yeah, we know Tony Mamaluke. Yeah, you know he was he was also in uh, WCW. Everything. Um, uh, Christian York, Joy Matthew, when they came in, but they came in really, really at the end. Um. And they did pretty good. They were they were they they were getting their push, um, but yeah, the yeah, the size. That's the thing also with pro wrestling. Um, even now, it it seems like it's it's the it's the era of the lightweight. When you look at wrestling now, 
versus 20 years ago, mm -hmm. when you look at wrestling 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it was the big guy, you know. But now you look at wrestling, it's, it seems like it's the era of the, the lightweight guys. Um, and so even though you got guys like Roman Reigns and, you know, champion now Bobby Lashley, those guys, Drew, Drew McIntyre, still – those are few guys. Those are the few muscle-bound guys, big guys, six feet, six two. Most of your cards are filled up with guys who are five, five nine, hundred and eighty pounds, maybe, or hundred and not even eighty, hundred sixty pounds. Sometimes, uh, really small, two hundred pounds. You know, you look at guys like Dolph Ziggler. You know, very good. He could have been the Ricky. He could have been the Ric Flair of this generation as Aldridge said, you know, and so you look back at ECW, man, like you said, you know, Guido could have been, you know, there, but when you had guys like Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn, even though they were, they, they're, Rob, I think is about six feet, Jerry Lynn's probably about five, 11, five, 10, not quite at six feet, but he's muscular. So, I think size size does play a part big time in pro wrestling, and you know to put a strap on a, a smaller guy, you got you, it's kind of hard for them to really the fans to get behind them unless you were Rey Mysterio um, to carry the heavyweight championship, you know, or even a television championship. You know, it's just in my opinion, I don't know, you know, so maybe that's why they didn't get that push that they should have gotten. How, how was your time in WWE? You, you spoke about that a little, little bit. Uh, I, was, I was in, yeah, I was in OVW at yeah. the uh, developmental. Um, I, did, I think, I think I did maybe six months there. Um, a couple of months. And then I watched out. It was okay. It was, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the right time for me. I just came out of, um, the Iraq war. Mm -hmm. um, literally, like, I came from the battlefield back to America for, like, a month, got signed with WWE while I was still in, in the Army. Um, the Army let me out one month prior to me getting out. So my mind is still already... Yeah. It's still, it's still in combat mode. And so... Um, because you, it takes you a while to really um, uh, to to get over the um, the war and everything, you know. And so I went straight from the army base to Kentucky and started training in in WW in, in uh, wrestling. And still, I'm telling you, man, my mind was just so. It was so wrapped up in in the military. I was, I mean, one morning I'm 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 doing PT, and then the next the next morning I'm up. I don't have anyone telling me what to do. That's mm -hmm. that's uh you know that's very strange you know. And it's like um, you know, I'm 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 two or three months out from being in a gunfight, and, and you know fighting every night from that going into trying to be an entertainer again. So my mind was like, oh, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, and, and, and um, but, I, but I was down there. I was, I was blessed to be down there uh, at the time when Bobby Lassie was there, Ken Anderson, 
uh, Chad Gaspar, God bless his soul. Yeah, yeah. Beast, uh, Johnny Moore, John, John Morrison, the Boogeyman, Marty Wright, hey. um, Aaron Sandow, uh, Sandow, yeah. um, Love Beth Phoenix. Brilliant, uh, hear, uh, yeah. hear, hear Icons episode on the network, man. I don't know if you've seen Tell it. You. Yeah, oh. I, no, I haven't, but we, I was, the, I was in that class, I was in that class yeah. with those guys, with those guys, you know, Julian Hall, and, you know, there's so much talent here, Elijah Burke, and so, um, I'm trying to get my mind back into it and I just couldn't do it. And so, um, after a couple of, couple of months, man, Johnny or nice was like, Julie, because they wanted me to do this, this, uh, gimmick, like the GI bro with, with, you know, when, um, Booker T, you know, when Booker T had the GI bro gimmick, yeah, they, they kind of wanted me to do something like that. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't feel it. And I was like, I don't like this shit, you know. And, and the word got back to Vince. And so they were like, well, we can see you down in Puerto Rico and you can still work. They still wanted me to to be on. But I was like, I want to just go home. I just, I just want to uh, um, clear my head, you know, detox from the from the war. And uh, that's what happened. And so, yeah, it was uh, – but it was it was good. It was nice. It was okay. Uh, nothing like it was totally different because you had to go train every day versus being on the end on the on the indies where you just you may go to a show three or four times out of a week and so you know going training every day and and then also Jim Cornette would would critique our matches during the week and uh, I like Jim Cornette also man I thought he was very he's he's very um very intelligent. Some people don't. Some people don't like him, um, but he knows his shit. You know what I mean. He knows his shit, so you gotta respect that. He's a walking encyclopedia, that man. You know when you watch him, watch him in his little uh, treasure trove in his house with all his old school mm -hmm. wrestling stuff, and it's just crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy how much information he can put out right. on this podcast. And I'm just like, how does he remember? And he can go back 30, 40 years. And like yeah. talk about it like it was yesterday, but yeah, um, a bit more on Jim Cornette and your experiences with Jim, and just the way the way he was with you and, and support supporting you as as a wrestler. I didn't really, I didn't really interact with him because, like I said, I just came into to, to OVW. He was really more so interacting and interviewing and and talking more with the guys and girls that were already there that they were ready to push, and so. Um, we like I said, we would we would do a wrestling show every week in Louisville, and then that following day we go back to class. You know, we have a uh, we have a um, he would he would critique that class, and um, it was just you know he would just tell you pretty much what you did, what you didn't do. Um, and when they were trying to push me, I just had one interview with him when they were trying to push me and uh, get my get my shit over. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, that was my only inner time, only time I had interacted with, with Jim Cornette. And then I saw him again, probably 2010 uh, on the indie show. Um, he was managing someone and uh, we talked, but not, not a big conversation. If you, if you, if you said to him right now, who's Chili Willie, he'd probably be like, oh, I really don't know who Chili Willie is, but you know, I think he's a good guy or whatever, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Did you, you know. go? Did you go on the independents after OVW? 
It, it, what, what were you doing in, in wrestling after OVW? After OVW, I went back home, and then I became a correction officer. Wow. Um, and, yeah, and then I didn't do any independent until – that was 2005, 2000, no, 2006, seven. Around 2008, 2009, I, 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 dip, I dipped back into independent wrestling. Um, and I, te- I, I tagged with a, a friend of mine. His name is Kenny Me. And uh, his name on the independent circuit was called Bounty. And we did a gimmick called The American Gangsters, you know, from the movie American Gangsters. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I, took the name, I took the name as uh, Nikki, as, as in Nikki Barnes. One of the one of the top drug dealers back then, and he took the name. At, he took he took the other name as Frank Lucas, and so we were called Frank and Nikki, you know, the American gangsters, and uh, that was that was one gimmick we had, you know, and um, and then and then we had another gimmick, me and him, the same gimmick, because he was already doing a cowboy gimmick, and he was doing the uh, like a a black redneck, and so I just said we should just call, call ourselves the 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 black next, and we would come out with the Confederate flag, but it's in black, green, and red, the the uh, the African American flag color, and um, yeah, that was that was fun. We would come to the ring with with whiskey in our hand, and um, <laughs> I remember we we wrestled the the powers of pain, the warlord and barbarian down in South Carolina. Wow, and. Yeah, and one of my the, one of my idol teams, man. My growing days, up. they're still massive now. They're, <laughs> I mean, they're like they're like in this, they're in their sixties. I look at yeah. I look at Terry, Barbarian. I look at yeah. Terry, I look at Bob, and I'm like, when they do these shows and that now, and it's like you know, um, and yeah. you hear about Terry uh, being a security guard for, for, for you know some of the mm. big big stars. I think it's Fifty Cent, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it's just okay. like, they're still Jack now, Chili. Like, yeah, they were big, and, and, and I was like, I, you know, going when when they told us we were going up against them, and I was so excited because, like I said, I watched them when they did the thing with the Real Warriors and did the bitch yeah. press, you know, and everything. Yeah, I'm just a huge fan, but I had been on a couple of shows with Barbarian. Never, never been on a show with with the Warlord. We only met him. I only met him once when when ECW went to Florida. Man, you like you said, Stu, man. Them guys came out, man. They were in the ring. They were waiting for us. And it was at a big bar. And we walked in, and we have a big bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> and it's real. It's real liquor. <laughs> it's not gimmicked. And so, yeah. And so they thought, <laughs> Barbarian and the Warlord thought it was gimmick. <laughs> and so we got in and was like, okay, here. You guys try this. And they're like, okay, ha, 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 ha. And, they went to go chug it, man, and Barbarian was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is real. <laughs> so we had a good time. We had a good time with that match and everything. And uh, But, yeah, we did that, that country uh, red, black neck gimmick, and uh, we did American Gangster. And that was it. Then after that, I went to Costa Rica and lived for, like, four years, and then I came here. Wow, you've moved, you've moved around, you've moved around. The oh world. yeah, you've moved around the globe, <laughs> Costa Rica, now in the Philippines, out in Iraq, and and you know what, Chile, Chile, I'd be remiss. Thank you, thank you for your service in the military. Oh man, no problem. U- yes, UK. As much as you, you know, serve for the US, we 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 combined, we right. combined the UK and the US in terms of military, aren't we? Yes. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, man. That takes absolute. Yeah. That takes balls of steel to go and do that and go over there and do that and put your life on the line every day, man. So uh, thank you, thank you. No so doubt. I tell everybody. I said when they say when they tell me thank you for doing it. I said well, don't thank me, man. It's just I needed a job, man. ECW was closing, so <laughs> thank ECW because ECW was what made me go into the military. You know, well, you know, when you see the, the writing on the wall and you, they say, you know. Hey, ECW is going to close, and then nine eleven hit. So I was like, "Yo, I better do something. I don't want to go back, you know, to work, work. I better go, you know. I want to serve the country. So that's what I did. Yeah, oh, that's fine. That's not a month. Cool, cool here now as well. Now, a little birdie tells me you like combat sports. Am I right in asking yes. this? Oh yes. I and uh, yeah. I, and it's our it's our friend Justin Clapper, Mister Mister uh, <laughs> Mister Wrestling Travel. I'm good friends with Clapper. Yes, good. he's a yes. very good dude. Yes. So yeah, he's a, he, he is, man. You need to speak to Chili. I I love combat sports. Obviously, I've got my other show with my cousin that I do. Uh, yeah, just uh, okay. Just just let us let us know about your love of combat sports, man. Man, I just like you know. Um, I was in combat sport for anything, you know, and it's like uh, dealing with wrestling. I just like boxing, kickboxing. I like fighting, period. Um, and so when this podcast stuff started coming out, I was like, man, I want to do something, you know. And I have a friend, Will Gettin. Uh, he does uh, the Fight God podcast also. And I, he kind of helped me out with that. And I wanted to do something. So I have a thing called Crema, which is – which is um combat ready international mixed martial arts and i wanted to use that one time for my wrestling genre genre because i wanted to i wanted to put wrestling and mixed martial arts together you know um and so that was my thing and now man i just i like i like ufc but I'm really getting into the bare knuckle fighting. <laughs> you told me about this. You told me about this last week. Yes, I, I'm so yeah, man. I'm, I'm getting into that. We don't get it here in the Philippines, but so I have to go on YouTube. Yeah, I have to go on YouTube and check it out. Um, but I really want to start um, interviewing some of those guys. I want to start getting in touch with whoever, man, and and, and just start interviewing those guys because I've, I've been watching it on YouTube. I did watch some of it. The last week, or a couple of weeks, I think the 16, it was something called 16. They had a big pay-per-view. And, man, that was – I love it, man. You know, I'm, I'm really liking that. If you haven't – if people – if you haven't checked out Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, do it. It is the next thing, man. I'm telling you, it is the next big thing. Um, and so, yeah, I like that. Uh, I, I still love UFC, but this Bare Knuckle thing is – it's coming, man. It's coming. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot back there, right? Some of your, some of your favorites in UFC, past, present, future, maybe some of the guys that you've loved, loved watching over the years. I know there's so many. I know there's so many. It's hard to. Oh man, I'm a, I'm a huge John Jones fan. Um, I like Usman. Um, I like Masvidal. I like the Diaz brothers. Anderson Silver, of course, you know, um, I like guys back, you know, Randy Couture, um, you know, um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of them guys, you know, even the fight just happened now, Stipe and Oh, my Lugano, days. Oh, my that was days. a good one. 
he learned off the back of the first fight did Francis oh my days yes. he was yes. he was waiting to unload but he was quite cautious but Stipe right. Stipe looked a little underweight to me he looked a bit gaunt he cut <laughs> yeah. he cut a little bit too much I know I know with DC um, he cut he cut for DC but he just looked mm-hmm. a bit I, and and it, I think it's Ngannou's time, and I think he's going to be champion for a long time. A bit like Stepe, Stepe. Yeah, I think if he if he if he keeps his composure, Nagano, um, he 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 tends to want to go really fast. Mm-hmm. And if he can weather his storm within the first I, now now you got to say first to two to three rounds because you know first it was his first round, but now he's got more patience. So you got to. You got to weather that storm for the first three rounds. Try, try to take him in the championship rounds and see what happens. Um, you know, Derek Lewis is my man too. Oh man. my God, Derek Lewis! <laughs> it's not only it's not, it's not only the fight. It's it's the interview after you're waiting to see what he's yes, going to say. My yes, ball, my balls, yeah. my balls was hot, sweaty. <laughs> my balls were sweaty and shit. You know, and so that's what got him. That's what put him on the map. I think you know his, his, his interviews and stuff. Um, and plus that he can hit, man. When he yeah. hit Curtis Blades, oh my! I was really concerned yeah. when I when he when he when he fought Curtis Blades. I was like, okay, Curtis Curtis might take him into the later rounds, and he might win this on decision. I did not see, man. It was so quick. He hit him with that uppercut. It's like boom. I was like, oh shit. I was like, oh my god. So, you know, if it was me and I was booking the fights, John Jones, I, I really don't like. Here's my thing, Stu. I don't like for another champion to come out of a championship class weight and then and then fight right at the championship level of that you know that weight class. So I, I think that's disrespectful. I but think that you have that you should have a tune-up fight first. Is he is he going straight in for uh, Black Blackowitz Blackowitz for the title? Is he and and look what happened. I, I agree. Exactly. I'm in I'm in full exactly. agreement. He should have gone for someone in yeah. the top maybe someone Thank in, you. in the top ten. Maybe someone around that right. then gave right. uh, but that was just putting the weight on, you know, he he's gonna yeah. he's gonna struggle getting put in two oh five on, is he? He's naturally a one eight five or any. Uh, but I agree. Sorry, Matt. I keep, right. ju- I keep jumping yeah. in. I no. keep jumping in. No, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. But if, yeah, yeah, that's my thing. I think that if you if I'm gonna go to a weight class, if I'm one eighty five and I want to jump. If I'm 205, even if I'm 205, and I want to jump to to the heavyweight, you know, um, I need to start off slow and, and 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 fight a heavyweight and feel what it's like for to have that weight on me, uh, because a person that comes in at 220 on fight night or fight on weigh-in day might not be 220. He might be legit 260. He cut down to 220, 230, and then you come in on fight fight night and it's like all this weight is on you all this power is on you and so i think it should be mandatory that they these guys fight a top 10 fighter like you said and and then from there if they beat that top 10 contender then they have a shot at the championship but don't don't just don't throw john jones into the i i've i've heard i've heard two pieces of information on that one Right, that the, the um, my cousin's obviously big, bigger into MMA than I am, and what they were saying mm-hmm. was, yeah, they're, they're touting John Jones to fight Ngannou, but they reckon mm-hmm. Derek Derek Lewis is is in the in yeah. the 
Derek Lewis is in the periphery to get a shot as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, yes. I think John Jones will need a tune-up fight. He's got, it's ridiculous. He's definitely. That is a hell of a... That's the biggest yes, jump. That's, a, that's the biggest woo! jump. That's the biggest jump of yeah. all. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, not saying he won't because I think I, I think John Jones could handle himself. I think he could take Nagano all the way to five rounds. Uh, I really do because John Jones IQ, his fight IQ is is superb to anybody. Um, but I think that you should give John Jones Curtis Blades another wrestler. Let them two. Yeah. Let them two mix it up. Let let Derek Lewis have his shot at Nagano again. That's a rematch. Mm-hmm. And then and then the winner of that, Curtis Blades and John Jones, will fight the winner of Nagano and Curtis Blades. That's just me. That's what I think. Uh, hey, you know? they, should make, they should make you the matchmaker over there. Take Sean Shelby's job. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. You know? Yeah, so and then easy, easy Israel Sonia, you know, he 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 lost steam on that, you know. Whereas, um, even though he's a champion and still he's, he, but I think UFC was looking. I think they're still looking for a face for the UFC. They don't have a face yet. John Jones is still there. John Jones is a veteran. John Jones is maybe a couple of years on his way out of UFC. You got to start looking at these younger guys. You know, Usman. You know, and, and guys like that, and then the, the winner of the winner of Chandler, Chandler um, Oliveira. You know, those guys, Oliveira or whatever his name is. Yeah, they've all, so, got, uh, they've all got a wrestling. They've all got a wrestling basis now. The top guys, it, it's mm. it's mad. It's mad how many uh, you know. That's true. Your wrestling, your wrestling is so yes. much more prevalent than it used to be. Um, exactly. In terms of drawing money. No, I don't think anyone will eclipse Conor McGregor. In, in, I, no, they can't. I just don't think it ever, ever. I think he mm. he's eclipsed them all, Conor. I know he's lost. I know. Yeah. He's, I know he's lost a few. I know they're talking about Poirier free. Um, he just right. he just wasn't he wasn't with it in that second fight against Poirier. Yeah, yeah, that was that was rough, you know. And that's the thing, Poirier. He's uh, I liked him ever since he fought uh, Justin Gaethje. Because Justin was beating the shit out of him. And that guy kept his composure. And he's very underrated when it comes to his hands. His hands is superb. He's quick. He's a great boxer. And the thing is, I said, man, if he can get past this first round, he's going to get Connor. I said, because his hands is good. Much better than what it was before. Um, but, but 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 UFC needs another Conor McGregor, man. They need they need that that mouthpiece because, um, yeah, you got three champions. They're they're Africans, which is great. But but none of them except for Izzy is a big talker. Usman is not a talker. Nagano is not a, really a talker. And it's just like pro wrestling, you gotta have you gotta have that charisma, that Muhammad Ali talk. I'm gonna kick your ass and that to make people see it. Otherwise, people are going to be like, okay, who's fighting? You got to make people who are not combat fighting uh, fans tune in to watch. And that's what made Conor McGregor so well is because people who didn't really watch UFC was like, who's this guy? You know, he's, he's guy's talking shit. And he's kicking ass. And so, you know, people want to see that. And I think that's what Dana White is, Dana White is searching for. He's, he's searching for that next 
uh, face for the UFC, man. I'm telling you. Absolutely. He's, he, he's searching. He is searching. Yeah. I think it's a perfect time to segue, Chili, to your podcast, Pro Wrestling A&C Un mm -hmm. Unravel. Unravel. With Andrew yes. Campbell, with Andrew Campbell, yes, I bet. Exactly. Who, who have you got coming up? Who, who's coming up on the show, man? <clears throat> we have. Uh, let me see. Let me, wait, let me make sure. Oh, we have. We have a, a guy from uh, AEW. Uh, man, his, his name escapes my my head right now. Um, we just had Caprice Coleman. We had. Uh, uh, oh, my mind is going blank. Because we we just had some people, but uh, Victor Andrews we had on. Um, we're trying to we're we're trying to get this ECW reunion that's coming up uh, April eighteenth. We're trying to get at least is at least twenty people all wow. on the podcast. Wow. wow, probably like you know uh, like a mass mass uh, a Zoom, you know, and so. Um, Hopefully we can get as many people we can get on that. Uh, hopefully Rob Van Dam will come on. We we know he's doing the uh, going to the Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Rob. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if we get guys like him, Lou Jack, Sandman, those guys come on, and we got you know the rest of us, you know Fanny. Uh, if we can get people like Dormery and stuff like that to come on, that'll be great. You know. Um, and and we just we just plug in. We, we're trying to get people to come on, man. We had Caprice Caprice Coleman come on last weekend, and so um, we're trying to get some. We we we're trying to get more females to come on because we we having a hard time contacting female wrestlers to come on. So hopefully we get some uh, some good talent to come on in. But uh, yeah, I forgot I forgot the guy's name. Ali, something, something Ali from, I forget his name. I'm sorry, man. I, I forget your name. Andrew knows. Andrew's more the the contact guy. He he contacts all the people. Yeah. And then the people come in. Because um, he's young and he's uh, talented. So uh, he's he's a cancer survivor also. So wow. he's a great guy. Oh, yeah, he's, man. He's a, he's a fighter. He's a fighter, man. Inc he's, incredible. He's doing well. Yeah. He's doing, he's, he's wrestling also. So he's uh, he's doing well, yeah. Last last thing to ask you, last thing to ask you. When I was researching, you were with the Hardys in North Carolina at Omega. How was how was that? Because that was pre ECW. Ah, uh, you know, a lot of, I don't know. I don't know where I came from in the, in the, on the Google, but I only wrestled with them maybe twice uh, right. on their show on their on their uh, in their company. But I did wrestle um, before they became, you know, really big names um, back in the 90s with the with, uh, late 90s, probably 99, 98, 98, 98, 97, 98. Um, and uh, I was just on the show with them, with the Hardys, Lodi, uh, because me and CW was, I mean, CW was, uh, had trained Lodi. Um, uh, you got guys like them, Joey Matthews, Christine York, uh, shit. Um, you know, a couple of, couple of those guys, Steve Carino. So all those guys are North Carolina, Caprice Coleman, um, natives. And so, we, yeah, we would wrestle on, on different different shows and stuff like that. And, and now they become, you know, they became really big stars. Shannon Moore, Greg Helms, you know, Mike Howell, you know, those guys – 
the Maverick. We, you know, there's a lot of a lot of guys came out of North Carolina. Um, wrestled at a, at a bar called King's Bar um, for SCW. Uh, the promoter name was Grog, and uh, he was throwing good shows every Thursday night. Man, you got guys like Rick Link, um, legends that would pull out Manny Fernandez. Um, uh, Casey, Casey Knight, which is Dak Hardwood now, you know, they guys, we, we just all wrestled together, you know, and now, you know, some of us became stars and supposed to still wrestling and, and still, still doing our thing, you know, but not at that bar, but North Carolina has a big history of a lot of talent coming out of it, you know, so yeah. Hot, hot, bad, hot, bad talent, North Carolina. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Absolutely, you know? man. Chili. I want you to tell the viewers, the listeners, where they can find you in terms of social media, if if you will, if you can. They, you can find me on uh, Facebook. You know, um, William e, William Jones, uh, Chili Willie ECW. I think my Instagram is. I don't really use Instagram a lot, lot, but it's uh, Chili Willie, uh, Chili Willie Jones two four six nine, and then same as uh, my Twitter. Um, William Chili Willie Jones, and I think that's it. Yeah, YouTube, YouTube. I, 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 I'm on YouTube, but I, I just got put in YouTube jail. If that's a thing, because <laughs> <laughs> I try. Oh, my other podcast, Criminal Podcast. Um, I tried to upload a video, and it said I did something wrong, and now I can't upload no videos on my YouTube channel. So was it? Was it? It wasn't like some copyrighted material or something, no? No, it was no. me doing a... Uh, I was doing an interview with uh, C.W. Anderson, um, Louis Dangerously, and Bill Wiles. And I tried to upload it, and it says something... <laughs> and now I can't even upload my... No I can't even upload my videos. Oh, my God. I said, what? So now I just go out and, and, uh, and, and put up a new channel. And that new channel is called crimj.24... At gmail.com. So that's my thing, but it's called uh, Crim J. So, yeah, that's where you can see me. Perfect, man. <laughs> it's the host of Pro Wrestling ANC Podcast Unraveled, ECW yes. Original, William Jones, Chili Willie. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you so too. much for coming on Studio Wrestling Podcast today, man. I've enjoyed yes. it. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed talking to you about combat sports as well, just to come away from wrestling a little bit. It's always cool to diversify and come off, off the topic mm -hmm. of wrestling. So, Chili, yes, thank you so <laughs> much, man. Appreciate you coming on. Incredible. Thank you, Stu. Really appreciate it, brother. This episode is brought to you in association with Powered 4 TV. So go and check them out for anything wrestling related, old events, new events when we come out of COVID, podcasts, you name it, it's all there at Powered 4 TV. So find them across social media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.